Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. It looked like I was going to say like I did something wrong, but I guess I didn't. So, okay, so we're back on. So, again, I want to thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. In addition to being a therapist, I do a lot of other things, whether it is public speaking, whether it is providing services to individuals that have mental health issues, relational issues, drug or alcohol addictions. I do a lot. And that kind of brings me to this topic for today in regards to finding comfort. I first want to thank my Heavenly Father for blessing me and waking me up this morning. I also want to thank my loyal listeners out there who join me on the air Mondays and Tuesdays, and also for the encouraging words that they give me, and even the things that they want me to do different, because I know there are some things I need to work on, especially updating my technology, so I get it. So I want you to know that I appreciate you. So I want you to know that. But when we talk about today's topic, which has to do with finding comfort, as a therapist, I hear a lot. And it wasn't until I was just talking to one of my co-therapist friends and I was just venting and I was just like, wow, just letting some of this stuff just go. And we viewed it as more of a supervision moment. But when I was reflecting on some of the things that I'm hearing some of the things that I'm seeing, and then as I'm trying to provide encouraging words and comfort and strength and and resources, I'm looking at this like, wow, that is a lot. And how are individuals surviving and getting through? You know, now when we talking about this with this, and I'm going to read what I wrote just because I I was trying to get my words and my thoughts together because I didn't want to just be babbling and talking about something that people didn't want to hear. So I was like, Lord, please guide me. Please lead me in the right direction so that I can let individuals or give individuals not only what they need, but also what they may want. Because sometimes their needs and wants may conflict. But a lot of times, we got to bring things to people's attention. We're doing it in ways where we got individuals out there protesting. Some individuals are out there rioting and looting, and I'm not, I don't agree with looting because I don't like to be somebody to steal something from me, and I don't think it's fair for somebody to steal or take something from somebody else. But that doesn't mean that they may not need it. Why are they doing what they're doing? I don't know. But we have what's called a civil unrest that's going on. I was watching the news. I'm listening to the president not want nobody telling him what to do, talking about he's going to visit anyway, and he will um, isolate excitement. That's not excitement because individuals are very uncomfortable with him going to Wisconsin or to going to that area because it can make things even worse. Because when we start talking about that, what is his idea of excitement? What do he mean by isolate? You know, when we start talking about unrest, individuals being toxic, toxic, toxic we want to be safe. We want to feel comforted and be comfortable. Now, with the word comfort, just by definition, is a state of physical ease and freedom from pain, or constraint. It is the easing or alleviation of a person's feelings of grief or distress. Like I said, when I'm watching the news, I'm I'm hearing and, and individuals are sending me text messages. I'm looking at Facebook. People are going to funerals. People are dying. The coronavirus, the numbers are still, you know, people are still hospitalized. People are still getting sick. Individuals have pre-existing medical conditions. You know, we got individuals to September, now we're on the first of the month. People got to pay their rent, their mortgages, yet some individuals still don't have jobs or are unemployed. 
But then I'm like, okay, they're talking about opening up barbershops, hair salons. They're doing this. And I'm thinking, Lord, I ain't had my feet done since March. I need a pedicure. But by that same token, is that giving us any comfort or is it going to add more to the chaos? Because we're living in a world where things are out of control, totally out of control. I don't want to hear no more people getting killed by police. I don't want to hear no more drive-bys. I don't want to hear no more about kids being hungry. I don't, we really got to do something about this. And that is why I take time out of my day to try to address some of these issues as well as provide a platform for individuals that have something to share. So I know I did all I could do. I'm putting it out there. It's up to you whether you want to call in, whether you want to share, whether you want to be heard, because you don't have to go through this alone, nor do you have to go through this in silence. I want to share something that was brought to my attention because I was trying to get Mr. Clinton Morgan on the air with us yesterday when we were doing the show about virtual dating, and he contacted me talking about the time zone. I forgot he's in Florida, so it's a different time zone. But he posted something on social media about the young man that played um, the Black Panther and James Brown and the actor, and they were saying how he suffered alone, how he didn't tell nobody, and he very he wrote, he wrote his his um what he said so eloquently by stating he told who he needed to tell. People knew. But it wasn't for him to go broadcast and tell the world because then what he indicated was individuals would have been focused more on the illness instead of him as a person. And I commend you, Quentin, for the way you wrote that because it wasn't negative. It was very positive, and it made a lot of sense. So when we start talking about feeling comfort or finding comfort, it's not finding pity or having someone feel sorry for you. That's not what that means. Now, it means that what we're going through, when we as individuals have went through, or we are about to go through, we need to know that it can be okay. We're going to be okay. And I want to hear your thoughts. So give me a call at 516-387-1914 so we can talk about this. Because this is a very interesting topic because a lot of times, I mean, I don't want to be that mother that get that phone call, which I have received phone calls that my child was shot or my son is in jail or, you know, he got beat up. I mean, I, I got to the point where I just numbed myself. I didn't want to hear it no more. So sometimes I know he thinks, you know, my mother don't love me. My mother don't care. No, it's not that. It's just I have comfort in knowing that I serve a God that is going to be my provider, that is going to be there for me in my time of need, be there, know my wants, know my thoughts. So I don't let stuff like that get to me. But I was, I couldn't even sleep last night. I don't know why. I've been having these things for the past few days, I guess because of all of the stuff I'm hearing. Then I'm on Facebook and I see that my auntie friend Tracy was talking about her son was shot. And I'm like, oh my God. So the first thing I do, I screenshot it, send it to my auntie, see if she knows. But I wanted to know which son, because I know she has two. But it was a stepson, a godson, but someone she was close to. But like I said, those calls, knowing that you have kids out there, knowing you have grandchildren out there, we need a savior. We need to know, especially as believers, we know that troubles don't last always. But my question is, how do you find comfort during your troubled times, and where do you seek comfort from? Now, that is a good question, because like I said, being a therapist, my phone lines are blowing up with individuals wanting therapy. And a lot of times, clients want to connect with a therapist because they want someone that's going to be understanding that's going to be empathetic, that's going to listen, that's going to be able to provide resources, 
and be competent enough to be able to help them get through what they're going through. But one of the things that I'm finding is a lot of times individuals already know what they go do. Sometimes they want validation. Sometimes they just want somebody to listen to them. Sometimes they don't want people to just fix their problems. They want someone to understand their problems. And when we start talking about, when I relate that to what we're dealing with in the world with some of this civil unrest, it's a lot of individuals feel misunderstood. They don't feel heard. They don't feel loved. They don't even feel like they matter. Now, when we start talking about even Black Lives Matter, it doesn't mean that we're trying to be racist or or using a stereotype. I was watching the news and watching something on TV today, and they had a lady in San Diego County talking about, why are you Africans so violent? Why are you so... And I'm sitting there looking like, is she for real? And the sad part is, she is. She really believed that. Because somebody told her that. But just because somebody told her that don't make it true. Because when you start talking about violence, when you start talking about it, you think you're going to be hurt. What about these individuals that are, are being gunned down? What about these individuals, these kids that are being bullied? What about these parents that are going through not being able to feed their kids or not being able to educate their kids? There's a lot. There is a lot. And I'm on the show again, and I'm going to say this cat keeps coming to my house every day. This cat keeps coming. But that's okay. So I'm going to get back to the show. This cat kind of got me distracted because I'm not a cat lover. And I have dogs, and every day this cat comes to my front door. Now, when we start talking about trying to find, or not trying, but like I said, where do you get your comfort from? Who do you turn to? I think in that song, I turn to the rock. Now, I'm looking at an article. And it was basically, it was written January 7th, 2020, by an individual by, by the name of Christy Thomas. And, well, basically, she left a comment. But it indicates that, and I need to get to it, I'm all over the place with this thing. It says, the Bible claims that God is and the God of all comfort. But what does that even mean? Now, this person, when she wrote this post out, post, she wanted to know what it meant to other individuals. And someone wrote, or it's basically written, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me. <laughs> Somebody sent me a text message. Oh, God. This is crazy because the more I'm trying to read this, information by uh, computer thing is just all over the place. It says, he lifted me out of my slimy pit, out of the mud and mirror. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God, and many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And that's in Psalms 40, 1 through 3. And then it says, David wrote his psalms from outside of the pit of despair. He had the benefit of hindsight and was able to look back and see the God of all comfort lifting him from the pit and placing him on the rock. But we don't always have access to hindsight. And when we are sitting in the mud and mirror, it can feel like we're never going to have a firm place to stand again. Our circumstances drain our lives of color, leaving blank or a bleak landscape. When we're in such a hopeless place, what can we do? Like I said, when I'm watching the news and I'm listening to people call me with a lot of their their trials and tribulations and what they're going through, when I talk to some of my family members, when I'm going on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all I could just say is, wow, but I know a man, and I know what works for me. Now, I want to say it's funny because my son texted me earlier today, asked me for some information, and I commend him because that lets me know he be listening to me. Because I told him, your daughter will be 17 years old in a couple of weeks 
really, on 9-11. Pretty soon, since considering you're not married, she's your next again. Meaning if something happened to you, that's going to all fall on her. You better fix your relationship. God, that he heard me because he asked me because he's trying to take care of some stuff and get his stuff in order. And I appreciate and I thank God for that because one of the things that I had to do was turn him over to God and find comfort in knowing that God could take care of him better than I could. Because if not, if I tried to do everything on my own, that young man would have drove me cuckoo for Cocoa Puff. Now, when we praise or give praise to God, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and for the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort of ourselves received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And that is in First Corinthians. So, how do we even find comfort in God? How do we actually experience the God of all comfort in a way that actually feels like comfort? Because a lot of times, like I said, our needs and our wants may vary. We may need a hug, but we may not want nobody to touch us. We may need to be redirected, but we may not even want to hear what the person got to say because it may sound like they are judging us or giving us advice that we didn't ask for. But thankfully, a wonderful God often uses what is already in your life to bring his comfort. Think of God being like a mom bringing a cozy blanket, a bowl of chicken soup. When you're sick, when you need comfort, God can bring you to the right people and situation to help you heal. And that is so true because, like I said, I thank God for Dr. Lisa Romaine. Because I didn't realize how much stuff I was carrying with just listening to a lot of the stuff that I was dealing with and going through. And I was just like, once I dumped it, I was like, oh, that was a lot. And I was like, Would you, okay, just one more. Just one more. <laughs> I was just trying to unload all of that stuff, you know. So sometimes we get to that point. Sometimes I'll go to Compton and I'll say, thank God I still have my mother's childhood home or my childhood home. So when I need to know or be around my mother's spirit, I can go in a room to where she lived and know that that spirit is still there and find comfort in that. Because otherwise, when you get to the point in life where you don't have no mother, no father, or your family is gone and you feeling all alone, it's like, Lord, send me someone. Or I know that I can get to the point to where I'll get a phone call for Ms. Parks, who's 80-something years old, that has called me and, and dropped some wisdom and knowledge and understanding on me, I find comfort in that. But I know that God is, God is able, and he will orchestrate things and put people in places where they should be. Now, another thing is talking about, and it indicates how to find comfort in God through other people. And one of the things that I'm reading and this indicate person wrote, when my sister passed away suddenly, my tendency was to pull away from everyone. I hid from the mountains of mourners in my home trying to sleep away a broken heart. But it wasn't until I stepped into my church and let the people of God comfort me that I began to sense God's comfort. And see, and that's another thing that's going on is because the churches have been closed, but yet individuals were still trying to find ways to fellowship. That's what I wanted my topic to be about. But then I said, okay, how can I put this all together? Because a lot of times when we're trying to find comfort, we try to find comfort through fellowshipping, sharing times, participation, or participating in things that are very important. It's also in Acts 2.42, meeting together devoting themselves to fellowship. A lot of individuals find comfort in that. But with the coronavirus going around, we had to be careful with who we was around, where we were going. Individuals didn't want to wear face masks. You know, individuals had their own biases. I heard it be said, and I was just like, wow. 
When we start talking about finding comfort, we also have to make sure that we are in touch with our feelings and our emotions because it's very difficult to be at peace when your mind is all over the place, meaning your mind is not stayed on him. Your mind is fixated on your situation or whatever it is you're going through. And one of the things that I learned was not only are individuals out of control with looting and shootings and, you know, all of this stuff, but we have individuals out there that we know or they know that they're positive for the coronavirus purposefully infecting other people or purposefully going around people. So I'm learning from individuals that are frustrated and it's taking therapy to a whole nother level to where now individuals are seeking assistance to help them deal with their emotions because someone either went into their place of employment, went into their home, put themselves in a situation around them to try to infect them. And that's why when we start talking about individuals being resistant, Mm -hmm. that's why some individuals don't want to do the vaccination because we don't know who to trust, who to trust. I never thought in my wildest days or my wildest dreams that being a therapist, I would have to be doing therapy with individuals to help them with their emotions as it relates to someone purposefully doing something like that to them in regards to purposefully infecting them with the coronavirus. I shared when I was um, went on an intervention, and I was upset where the people didn't tell me that the person was positive. So, but these things are real. They are real. Now, when we start talking about also find God's comfort in silence and solitude, some individuals have a tendency in grief to pull away to the extent that is either it could be healthy or it could be unhealthy. But if they spend time seeking God and allowing him to minister into their heart, they can see things differently. They will start feeling differently. You know, I've heard individuals where someone have, you know, done something to one of their loved ones, to one of their children, to their pet. And when we start talking about his mercy and his grace, and some individuals will say, why aren't you angry? Why wouldn't you want them to get the death penalty? Why don't you want... Sometimes the punishment may not always fit the crime because that's not going to bring your loved one back. But do you have to give up another life or something like that? When I was watching that young man that shot the protesters, and it was crazy because here it is, we're talking about in L.A. just yesterday, a young man apparently was riding a bicycle. Police tried to stop him. They said he tried to um, flee or whatever the case may be, dropped the bag of clothes, had a gun in it. He dropped it. You shoot him and you kill him. But yet you got someone walking down the street with a gun. You didn't shoot and kill him. What's the difference? That's where individuals are struggling. That's where individuals don't understand what the world is going on with this. Now, when we start talking about, and I indicated, like I said, um, when we start talking about finding comfort, seeking comfort, I want to commend individuals that are out there on the forefront that are doing their best to help individuals. Because there are ways to address our community. There are ways that we can um, write letters. We can you know, use our voices. Like I said, I use this radio show as a platform, and yet I see having no one called in yet, but that's okay. You can't say that I didn't put it out there. But they are trying to make a difference. I was watching the news this morning, and there was this young man, and he was a rapper, and I think it was HIP. But one of the things that he said and that I gathered from watching the article that they did on him, he said, we have to shift. First of all, the way we eat, because when you shift the way you eat, you shift the way you think. He was talking about forming. He was talking about how we need to do better even with our diet. One of the biggest things that I kept hearing about the coronavirus was obesity, 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 pre-existing medical conditions. 
you know, when we talk about finding comfort, some people find comfort in food. I did that. I ate and ate and ate until I felt like I ate somebody. But I didn't realize, and it wasn't that I had my comfort ice cream, my comfort cookies. It wasn't that. It was I had my favorite buffets, my favorite restaurants, and I didn't want to exercise because exercise made me feel uncomfortable. But if someone would have told me, you know, Jeanette, 20 years later, they're going to have this coronavirus out there, and if your butt is messing around to be overweight, got high blood pressure, you might be in trouble then maybe we probably would have done something differently. But then, again, who's to say? Because a lot of individuals are still out there doing what they want to do. But like I said, I commend you. I want to encourage you. I want to make sure that individuals are empowered so that they can still continue to be out there to comfort and help individuals during their time of need. Now, I want to shift a little bit, and like I said, if you want to join in on a conversation, give me a call, 516-387-1914, because you guys know I do not like talking to myself, but if I have to, I will do it. Now, I want to talk about how a lot of times individuals say, well, just pray about it, just pray about it. And sometimes individuals just don't want to pray about it because sometimes they, you know, especially when you're talking about a believer or a non-believer, some individuals don't have that kind of trust and hope in God because they think God is taking too long. Lord, where were you? But the thing is, it's his will, not our will. Now, I want to share some information, and this is coming from the um, intentional and it's expat, and it says finding comfort in chaos, the importance of acceptance. Now, I'm not saying that we got to accept some of the stuff that's going on because as I'm looking at the news right now, we got President Trump holds a roundtable with law enforcement on protests. But the thing is, the stuff that he's saying, he don't realize that he's kind of escalating some of this stuff too. So no, we don't have to accept that. But we do have to realize it exists. So why is acceptance essential? Now, the person who wrote this article indicated they have two thoughts, shifting thoughts in their head on repeated what they talked about in regards to this. But the truth is, in life, wherever you live, whatever your thing you're going through, we got to realize that acceptance, that life is painful. Acceptance. And sometimes in life, you could be misunderstood, except the fact that sometimes people really just don't care. But the problem is you have to care. Now, while pain is inevitable, suffering sometimes can be optional because we can find ways of doing things in our community, by empowering our community, by doing things in our home, by talking to our children. Like I said, as much as I've been talking to my son, he's finally listening because he's finally getting it. I don't know if he woke up this morning and was like, you know what, my mother's not playing it. Because one of the things is being consistent. But I want to say again, acceptance is key. Now, when we seek this feeling of things being out of control in order to find a sense of comfort, we got to remember that trying to control the uncontrollable, whether it is going on inside or outside of you, is exhausting, and it's not a long-term solution. That is, if you want long-term solutions that don't lead to deterioration of your well-being, meaning your mental health, your physical health, your finances, we have to seek control in the hopes of feeling comfortable and safe. But it is only in accepting the uncertainty and unknown that we can actually find the comfort and safety that we all crave. The certainty that regardless of what the situation we find ourselves in, that when the moment actually calls for it or not, it is merely a hypothetical, meaning a what-if situation, we will be entirely capable of springing into action, problem-solving, 
and protecting ourselves and those around us. Now, I've shared on the radio before, and I've talked about how when I was a kid, my mother used to say, I'm going to beat your butt so the police won't have to do it. And in my mind, I used to be like, police don't beat up girls. That's not making no sense. My mother was telling me that when I was like eight, nine years old. And now here I am, 50-something years old, finding out that police do beat up women. They do beat up girls. They do fight kids. And I'm not saying all police. I'm not saying all police are bad because I myself also trained in law enforcement and studied criminal justice. So I get it. But the bottom line is we have to get to the underlying root of this. I'm hearing a lot of individuals, even though, like I said, my mother used to tell me police beating up girls, and I didn't believe it at the time. But then I remember I saw one time the police jump on my mama. I saw police jump on my uncles. I I witnessed this. And what I did was I said, you know what? I'm going to make a difference. I want to go into law enforcement. But they told me I wasn't qualified. So I remember going before the Civil Service Commission. And the man told me, you're qualified. And the other man said, Jeanette, you may have proved you was qualified, but we don't have to hire you. But I knew God has something bigger and better for me. Because now, still, I have People that I know that are in law enforcement, I'll text them, hey, you good? Are you okay? I know individuals from all walks of life that I communicate with, and they know. They can call me. They can talk to me. I enjoy having my EAP contracts with individuals that are first responders and individuals that are in law enforcement because now I have the ability to let God use me to spread his word, to let them know that what you're feeling and what you're doing may not be appropriate and try to give them words of wisdom to help them get through some situations because you don't know what people are going through. And a lot of times we start talking about this fear, even bullies are fearful. Even the president, he knows good and well he's scared, but he's trying to sit there like he got it all going on and got it like a, like, you know, we can see all through that. But the bottom line is we need to make sure that we are aware of this and that we know that God is is in control. Now, I'm looking at something, and I was taking some notes earlier, and I was talking about seeking comfort during troubled times. And I, I mean, when my mother passed, she had a book, and it was entitled Comfort for Troubled Christians. And I was like, wow, you know. But one of the things that I'm looking at even in this book, it indicates he cares. Purge them, he, he shall purge them as gold and silver. And Malachi 3.3, never let Satan inject a doubt into your mind regarding God's love for you. He will take advantage of your present trials and grief to whisper in your ear that God doesn't care. But he does. You are so precious in his sight that nothing but the term of gold and silver can describe his concern. If gold and silver are precious to the refiner, how much more precious must we be to God? He paid a price far more than gold and silver for our redemption. It cost him the blood of his only begotten son. And by comparison, he refers to silver and gold as corruptible, but God gave all he had, the atoning blood of his precious son, to purchase our redemption. Now, that is powerful, because what a comfort this shall be. We are his most prized possession, and he will allow nothing to harm us. That things that happen to you is his means of increasing his value of his precious property. This is accomplished by increasing its beauty and purity. If we are worthless objects, we would never know the heart or the heat of the refinery, refiner's fire or the torch of his skillful hand. Beloved, the next time you feel the heat of the fiery fire or the fiery trial, thank God. It is proof of your preciousness to him you are his blood-bought brought child. You belong to him, and you may be sure that he cares for his own. 
And I find that to be powerful. Now, I got Michelle tuning in, so let me log on so I won't be talking to myself. Good morning, Miss Michelle. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? You know what? I'm doing well. I'm letting the show. I'm flowing with the show because we're talking about finding comfort, finding peace. And, you know, and I was talking about how powerful God is and how God can orchestrate things and put people in certain positions. And I don't know why I'm looking at the news, and I shouldn't be looking at the news, but I got rid of my cable, and I've been news binging to the point to where some nights I'll be up late at night, can't sleep. And I'm not trying to figure it out because they say when you're trying to figure it out, God has already worked it out. But what's popping in my spirit right now was with Trump talking about going to um, Wisconsin, and they asked if he was going to go see the Blake family of the young man that was shot in the back and then was handcuffed to the bed while in the hospital. If he's paralyzed, where the heck you think he's supposed to go? Would you treat him like a criminal when he was the one that got shot in the back, which makes no sense? The family, and I'm laughing because um, they're being represented by Ben Crump, and Ben Crump was the one that was also representing George Floyd. The president said pretty much he don't want to talk to him. And it was funny because you, a man, supposed to be powerful, you the man, but you can't even engage in a conversation. It reminded me of when I was going through some things and I would try to have meetings and talk to people and they didn't want to talk to me. Because sometimes individuals are afraid of others. They're intimidated by others. They bully others. They take advantage of others. And that's so not cool. Now, when we're talking about this topic today, Michelle, in regards to finding comfort, what are, and, and I know you've been through some trials and some tribulations because I know your history, but what are some of the ways that you seek to find comfort in some of the things that you've been through, go through, and sometimes you already know you're going to go through it because I tell you before you're about to go through it. Yeah, I know. Um, I find comfort in my meditation and getting a massage, um, taking a bubble bath, uh, exercising, I really find comfort in. It really burns out a lot of energy and gets that when you feel frustrated out of you. I mean, and it makes you feel better. I mean, it's not something that's always fun to do, but um, but I find comfort in doing it. I try to stay away from the comfort of, oh, I'm going to go eat some junk food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a good comfort, but I say to myself, okay, no, if I don't have it in the house, then I won't eat it. Okay? Correct. So, but um, comfort and just, you know, going out, spending some time, um, you know, maybe have lunch with a friend or uh, sit and talk to a friend, and I've started, like, just getting out of the house and staying outside, not always being in the house. Um, sometimes I find comfort in uh, making sure my house is clean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's interesting, Michelle, because when we talk about finding comfort, and like I said, God can place people in your life when you least expect them. When you, I mean, who would have thought that we would have still maintained a friendship beyond us meeting for the first time? You know, <laughs> where God placed me in your life. And I remember our very first conversation on the phone. I'm like, Lord, this woman crazy. But she ain't as crazy as people think she is. Lord, what am I going to do with this? You know? <laughs> and I could have just said, uh-uh, you got to find you another therapist. But I went on and did what I had to do, even though we both got in trouble. But we got in some good trouble. You just got into more trouble. But the thing is, and, and what I mean by that is, you didn't bring me into your life. I was placed into your life. That's right. You were. Because, hmm? I said, that's right. You were placed in my life. And, Correct. You know, they're the ones that placed you in my life. Now, Correct. It must have been, God had something to do with it because, you know, they didn't want, they didn't like anybody I picked out, so they picked somebody, okay, and then it backfired on them. Well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> my point exactly. My point exactly. And the way they went about it was just low down and dirty. The way the way right. the way they went about it was unethical. But by that right. same token, they didn't and know. To make, and to make it worse, so you know they weren't thrilled with that. So let's say, okay, so 
you know, okay, I go to another, I go to a different one, right? Okay, because mm-hmm. now we're done. Okay, and they didn't like what she had to say, but the judge liked her too. So <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? And then they even asked to have her thrown out because she's not a, a therm therapist. And I'm like, holy crap, I can't do nothing right. <laughs> okay, but, and, and the judge refused to do it. So, you know, and then they ended up losing in the end. So, well, but see, but that's what I mean by when we talk about finding comfort. Because your life was going through your trials, your tribulations, your husband situation, then it's passing, and then all of this stuff going on, and just troubles and just stuff, just trying to move, trying everything. But you still was able to find comfort. And you know, Michelle, and I'm going to say, because I know that I'm a child of God, when I first met you, you was, you're, there's a difference in being religious and being relational. But I knew you had some doubt. I knew you had some like, I don't know if I'm for all of this. I don't know if I'm. And it's funny because you've been very supportive even of the things that I say. You share information. You're learning. You're learning. Yeah, and I mean, I think everybody gets doubted sometimes, especially everything I was going through. And after losing my other daughter, I was like, Mm -hmm. okay. This isn't happening. You know what? Just I, I don't now. I don't even know if I have any faith in anything, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I, I will tell you, I still find comfort in. I put her things away. There's still a few things I have, but I put them where they're out of sight, out of mind. But I still keep two of the best pictures of the memories I've had with us in my phone. And I tell myself. And somebody said to me the other day are you still hanging on to that? And I said, you know what? I have faith because you know what? Somehow I still think God will, because the one daughter, you know, is she was taken out of my life, but she's not, I mean, she may be in another situation right now, but I really feel in my, and other people have said to me that she'll be back in your life. Mm -hmm. People are like, are you, are you crazy? Why would you even want that? It was enough nightmare. I said, because it wasn't her fault. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I blame her the way it is. And I find comfort in hoping that she is having peace and that in comfort that God forbid something does happen to me, that you will know that I did everything and I made sure I documented everything, that it was there because I find comfort in making sure because there's nothing else I can do. But not the daughter, you know, I mean, when she's gone, she's gone. And, you know, when people die and they lose a loved one, I mean, you lose your, you, you, you lose a part of yourself for a long time. And some people never recover. I don't know that I've totally recovered. I mean, now I'm like back and forth, like with my comfort in my house and I've changed everything inside and I'm comfortable with it. However, I say to myself, Will I be comfortable if I sell it and move to mm-hmm. another home to move on? Because they say memories are your past and your dreams are your future. Now, if that's true. Well, but this is the thing, know. though. This is the thing, Michelle. You got to go with trust God. Listen to God. Don't run. See, that's one of the things that, and I'm going to focus on a little bit. We start talking about running. When you bought your home, your husband was just transitioning to some things, and you watched him deteriorate in that home. I still remember his vision of when I walked in that room and saw him in your bedroom, you know. But I can also say my mother died in my childhood home. And it gives me comfort and peace to when I want my mother around, when I need to go and, and feel with, deal with that spirit or, and I'm feeling that, I can go to my childhood home and sleep and rest and go in the room. I never thought about, well, she died in this house. I got to get rid of this house. I need to, that was the furthest thing from my mind because it's so many memories. We cut down a grapefruit and an orange tree, and the neighbor told my friend to cut the tree down. Wow, 
I remember that tree when I was a kid. I'm thinking I'm 50 some years old. That tree had to be 60 some years old. But right. when my friend cut it down, because I was going to try to cut it, because I, I, girl, you know, I get out there like Paul Bunyan and everybody else. I'll be like, I do it myself. I don't like waiting on nobody. And my kids, they got rid of all of my chainsaws, all of my everything. My mother had axe. But see, I got I bought me a new chainsaw. They they haven't found my new one that I just bought, but I got a new one. But the point that I'm trying to make is he came and he cut that tree down. Just the other and, and I had trees, Michelle, that was all caught up in the electrical wires and and, and I don't know what the difference is between Compton and Oceanside. I'm looking out my window in Oceanside. I don't see all the wires hanging down like I see them in Compton. But the thing is, thank God he cut that tree down when he did. Because just the other day I was watching the news and they had a big old fire in Compton because some tree branches were caught up in electrical wires. That could have been my house in the backyard. Because uh-huh. the was so bad, they sent the city out there, but the city didn't cut the trees all out of the wires. They just did enough to say, okay, it don't look that bad. So he cut it down. Thank God I find comfort in knowing that there's a God because God didn't have to give him to say, okay, well, let me go over there and cut Jeanette's tree down, or let me go over there. But God do that. See, God put people in your life to get that stuff done. Because when I saw that fire on the news, I said, it could have been me. Could have been me. Now, now, you know, you said something about the, the tree and the house because, you know, and I still, I still go back and forth because I do, believe it or not, I find comfort in my bedroom where he was. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and, and the only room I haven't finished painting, and two times I was supposed to get it painted, it's fallen through. And I'm thinking, am I not supposed to paint this room? And I'm not <laughs> supposed to paint this room. Because, and then I'm like, so maybe I'm supposed to stay here. So now I'm kind of like, I find comfort, but then I'm a little confused because, I don't know what if I'm reading the signs wrong. Got you. And that's where you have to sit still. Sit still. Trust God. I've been, sit, I've been sitting still, but every time I go in there and I like, okay, I made my mind up. This is the way it's got to be, you know, and this is what I want to do. But something happens. Just like the guy that's supposed to come paint, he had to change it from today and tomorrow to Wednesday and Thursday. Then he hurt his back, and now he can't do it. I'm like, that's the second time. It, should I leave with this color? Okay, <laughs> oh, I'm sitting. On what am I doing? Guy, what am I supposed to be doing? And and I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm like, I, 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 and I almost feel like, okay, it's almost. I mean, maybe to some people this may sound strange, but to me it's like once I paint the room, I feel like I've going to be gone forever. Got you. But you know what? But that's not necessarily true, though. I mean, like I said, trust God. When you were seeing it, Michelle, it was reminding me of the Compton House, and I'm thinking there are certain trademarks of my mother. One is the bars. Got to keep the bars on the house and the bars on the door. Two was the mirrors in the living room. The mirrors in that living room got me in a whole lot of trouble because we never cleaned the mirrors right. And even when Tisha got the house remodeled, the mirrors are still in the living room. My mother loved blue. The bathroom still got that blue towel. No matter how we remodel the bathroom, because that's the next project is remodeling the bathroom and the patio, that blue towel got to stay on that floor because we got to have blue. That still gives us the comfort of her presence. Now, I want to give the listeners some information, and this is on a blog, and it talks about four reasons we don't feel comfort from God. Because, I mean, and this show is for believers as well as non-believers. It's not like we're trying to force anything down anybody's throat or make people believe certain things. A lot of this stuff, and like I said, precious predicaments, the word precious was my mother's nickname. And that's where the show originated because that's how I keep my mother's memory alive. Even though, you know, I can't go on Facebook Live now, Michelle. My phone's so old. Every time I try to go on Facebook Live, it cut me off. So what I found to do is I record it, and then I upload it. So, therefore, yeah, I, I was able to put it. <laughs> if you were live or recording it, 
You need to yeah, I recorded it and then I uploaded it. I said, you know what? The devil is a liar. You ain't going to stop me from putting this information out there. But it's crazy because every time I look at videos of me, I'm like, oh, I look like my mama. Oh, I sound like my mama. I mean, one time my daddy told me, my father said, oh, you laugh like your mama too. I was like, how the heck that happened? But let me go with the four reasons we don't feel comfort from God. And one of the things that they talk about is praise be to God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. He didn't say just this trouble, just that trouble, just in all of our troubles. So that we can so that we can confront those in any trouble with the comfort or we ourselves receive from God, and that's in Second Corinthians two three. Now make no mistake, this world does not operate under a system of comfort, but rather a system of survival of the fittest when it is in the playground, the boardrooms, the major corporations, and no matter what. Somebody said something earlier, and they posted on Facebook, when you hear the word Al Sharpton, what comes to your mind? And somebody said another black man did, or money, or, you know, and that's, that's sad that these things happen, but like I said, that's a system that we operate under because we see these things and we experience it. But how we experience comfort and suffering doesn't suffering, by definition, leave no room for comfort? Comfort and suffering, meaning troubles, do not coexist, but are strongly related to our biblical text, as they attest. Comfort and suffering came in what they call alternating ways. And a person could be suffering from the loss of something or someone, and But the moment of reprieve can come by the way of friend, presence, or unexpected mercy. And then when we start talking about um, a, a raging force, and then later God's comfort comes again to sustain. Now, I want to share some reasons why, and this is one of the things it says. We don't feel God's comfort because we don't ask for it. God is not going to force himself on people's lives. He's going to be there. Like they say, he's there when you need him and he's always on time. He may not come when you want him, but he's going to be there. Now, we will seek comfort from almost anybody or anything before we ask God for it. Call it unbelief, pride, plain laziness, or lack of an imagination. Whatever it is, it does not depend upon or uphold the ones who is called the father of compassion and all comfort. Another thing that it indicates is comfort may not come immediately, and so we're disappointed and distrustful. And um, a lot of times, like I said, we want it our way. We want it to come, and we want it to come now. Like I said, as a therapist sitting at home, Michelle, my phone be blowing up with people wanting help. Wanting to talk to someone. Some things that they want to talk about is not even billable through their insurance. Sometimes when they call, they can't even articulate what it is they're even going through. All they know is, I need some help. Or somebody told me, I need some help. And I'm sitting here like, Lord, I need to find me some more therapists. I need to get some people to become some life coaches. I need to put together, because I'm getting tired. But by that same token, I can't give up or give up because I gotta let let God use me. Now again, um, God may not come or the comfort may not come immediately, and so we are discouraged and distrustful. Waiting on the Lord is a frequent re- refrain in the Psalms and is fundamental to the meaning of faith and belief. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, and that's in Hebrews eleven one. Some of the great saints, preachers, missionaries, and hymn writers, as well as many clients and individuals and people that we know, have suffered from a lot of different things and experienced a great loss. But they were believers, and some are believers, in the Father of compassion and of the God of all comfort, and were all wiser and compassionate for it, or they was ready for it. Now, their experience of waiting on God have given hope 
in a lot of different ways. Another thing they talk about is comfort does not always come from us in the way we expect. That's why when we talk about Al Sharpton, when Al Sharpton come up, come, he's comforting the family, he's speaking on behalf of the family, Ben Crump, you know, he's a very high-paid attorney, so when he come, people don't want to talk to him because he's not playing. But again, it doesn't come to us in the way we expect, meaning we may be failing to recognize God's comfort because it is not being delivered in a way we are used to or want. We must be alert for the subdued comfort of God. In Acts 17 of the New Testament reports, a theological sermon Paul gives to some of the Greek intellectual philosophers who were being introduced to Christ. Way for the first time, and at the point of this debate, he referenced to mankind that they should seek God and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far away from any of us. A lot of times, Michelle, I have individuals look at me and ask me, how do you handle that? How do you go through that? How do you, you know, and I'm quite sure some of your friends are asking you the same thing. If someone asks you that question now, Michelle, what would your response be? If they ask me the question what? How are you getting through the fact of losing your husband? Well, just that only. If they, how are they getting through? I keep my well. I just try to remember the good times, and I tell myself, you know, that he, you know, he told me he was not going to give up and he was going to fight. But I saw him struggling, and I just tell myself that he's in a better place. And when he told me that, it was very hard for me to hear it at first. And then I realized I would I don't want to see anybody in that kind of pain. Now I don't think that has a lot. People say because I was a nurse, that's why. But I just I've always been that kind of a person to watch somebody suffer, and even myself. But how do I get through it? I still have my I still have two of my kids. Um, I tell myself, you know what my husband always say. You know what you can do this. You're strong. You can do this. You know, don't give up because sometimes I'm talking to him and I'm like, you know what? I'm really pissed off. You've checked out. It's, you know, and then and, he, and I can hear him saying to me, would you just shut up and get up? And get out of here? <laughs> but, you, but you know what, Michelle? I'm going to say and this. He'll say, yeah, you got the best part of it is, he says, you better be still talking to Jeanette. Uh-oh. And Clay, <laughs> he said, those are the only women you listen to. You know what, Michelle, and you didn't realize it. When you first met me, you had one request. Your request was you did not want him to die where he was, and he died with you. That's right. God honored that, whether you realized it or not. Oh, I know, you know, and I mean, I'm telling you, you know that I did all I could. And I raised hell with everything that was going on, and I said, somehow they've got to get him back here. He's got it, and he lasted a year and three weeks. Yes, after they yes, got because you and, did not want him to die where he was, and God honored that, and He didn't. So that's something that you can find comfort in and knowing. Because I listened to that, and that just popped into my spirit just now. Because I was like. I remember this. I remember. He didn't die when you thought he was. And also, the other thing is, mm-hmm. he said to me, which, you know, he didn't really go to church much, and we were, he's Catholic, but he never really went to church much. But towards the end, when he said to me, he was watching church and was church with me, and then he said, you know, I'm going to see you on the other side, right? Wow. And I was like, I was like, what? Wow. And that wow. was the last thing he said. And I was like, because your dad's not going to be here more than a couple of days. I said, uh, he said, why do you say that? And I told him, he said, what did he say? I said, you heard me. He said, yeah, <laughs> I said, I know. I'm telling you that you better get down here. Because when he, when he said to me, 
I, I can't do this anymore, and I, I can't be this way anymore, and I can't live like this anymore, and I'll see you on the other side. I was like, what? Wow. That, well, that you know what? And that happened. Now, I want to, I know we're running out of time, but I want to read in regards to there's comfort in knowing, and you got to know the word of God. Open your Bibles. Read your Bibles. I was at CBS the other day, Michelle, and I found this, I saw this book. It says 4,000 questions and answers on the Bible. And I bought this book because I'm ready for writers, because writers go to a Christian school. So when writers start asking me a bunch of questions, I'm going to like, bada, break out my book and start asking him a bunch of questions. Because so, <laughs> I want to know what they put you in your Christian school, you know. But just these questions and answers, because a lot of times we're seeking the answers, and we have to lean not on our own understanding. But I know the time has passed, but I want to read and go through some of the um, comforting Bible verses because we got to get into the Word. And in Psalms 23, 4 through 6, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is a powerful verse. That is something we always hear, especially at funerals. And also in Psalms 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So when we are suffering and dealing with a broken heart, which is what we see when a lot of mothers have lost their children, when a lot of individuals are in jail, when people are going through illnesses. You know, I was talking to a person, and the one thing that that person said was, I need help. I was hearing parents, mothers die while I was in the hospital. They were dying right in front of me. That is so traumatic. And this person is trying to find comfort. And I had to say, what you are dealing with is called survival guilt. Because you made it out of the hospital and they didn't. That's survivor's guilt. I want to also say in, in Isaiah 41, 4, 40, chapter, verse 1, comfort, yes. Comfort my people, says your God. Now, I want to thank you for joining me or joining us here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Michelle, thank you for sharing the information because, like I said, I do my best to lay this platform out. I appreciate you. It gives people the opportunity to vent, to talk, to share, to where they feel that nobody is listening. If you Google Jeanette Abney Podcast, you'll see that this show can be heard in a lot of different languages. It's on iHeartRadio. It's on several different platforms of iTunes. But show this show is on so many platforms that I don't even know nothing about. I didn't sign up for. You know, it's on SoundCloud. It's, it's all over the place. But I'm grateful. I'm thankful that God placed me in this position. And I'm not saying I know everything. I tell people I know what I need to know when I need to know it. If I don't need to know it, I don't want to know it. So, again, thank you, Michelle. I appreciate you. I appreciate your support. Anything you want to tell the listeners before we go off the air? No, I just think you're awesome, and I share your information with people, and I enjoy listening to you, even though sometimes I don't always make it on the show. Um, But I think you have brought a lot of peace and happiness to my life, and you bring a lot of peace and happiness to a lot of people's lives. Well, I'm just letting God use me because sometimes I don't be knowing what I'm going to talk about, what I'm going to do. I just be sitting there like, Lord, am I going to just be babbling? But like I said, I know what I need to know and I need to know it. If I don't need to know it, I don't want to know it. So until then, I guess I'll find something to talk about or Lord, let me, lead me. I'm going to take off from work on Monday, but I will do a show. Don't know what the topic's going to be yet because there's so much going on in the world. So much. No, so much. Virtual dating. <laughs> Do what? Sorry. I said, I didn't hear what you said. Virtual dating part two. Oh, you know what? I did think of, I did think about that. I did think about that. 
You know what? And the reason being is because the guy, Quentin, contacted me after the show because he forgot that there's a different time zone because he lives in Florida. So because we do need to figure something out because this thing right here and people are trying to connect with other individuals and dealing with their emotions because a lot of individuals struggle with emotional maturity and things of that nature and trying to date and making sure that they got rid of all their baggage. Because I do want to hear, I want you guys to hear from him because the last time I did a show with him was probably about three years ago. So I didn't realize it was that long. But um, I'm going to follow back up with him. I did reach out to him. So we can talk about that. I've got another one, too. Um, I just put out a book, and it says, When Our Grown Kids Disappoint Us. Letting go of their problems, loving them anyways, and getting on with our lives. So a lot of individuals are dealing with adult-child relationship issues. So there's a lot of things we can talk about. And like I said, I'm putting this platform out to not only educate, empower, provide resources, strength, and healing. And that's what Purchase Predicaments Blog Talk Radio is about. Okay? So until Monday, Tuesday, remember, you got this. And thank you, Michelle. I appreciate you. Bye-bye. I appreciate you too. Bye-bye.